I was thinking of starting off singing a song, but I'll spare you. Especially since you have a lot of good talent here. So maybe we'll save it for the end. First, I want to thank Rabbi Baratus, Rebbets and Judy, for inviting me here tonight. It's wonderful to see new Torah, new yeshivot, new ideas, and successful ones. I mean, 10 years, that's not a small thing. Yeshivat Simchat Shlomo. Of course, Shlomo Karbach. So I thought to myself, what was Shlomo Kalbach's educational position? What did he want out of people? And it reminded me first of that Rambam. There's a Rambam at the end of Masechet Makot, a Rambam at the Peyush Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Yisrael. It was because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to find more merit for Yisrael. So God gave them a lot of mitzvot. And we all know that uh, that's not the way we really usually feel about it. I mean, a lot of mitzvot, a lot of obligations, a lot of problems, a lot of chances to make mistakes. What sort of merit is there? Wouldn't it be great if Judaism just wanted you to go to shul on Yom Kippur night to hear Kol Nidre? That would be the greatest. Everybody would be there and it would be done. What is this business about schut ir balahem mitzvot? So, Rashi says, Rashi says that there are a lot of mitzvot that are really easy. Like, uh, there's a mitzvah not to eat creepy crawling things, you know, that's easy. Who wants to eat them? Well, I guess uh, Rashi did not include all the people in Vietnam. But <coughs> generally, for us it's easy, but there's still a lot of mitzvot. A lot of mitzvot left over that Rashi didn't think about. So you know what the Rambam says? The Rambam says a chassidish shavort, to my mind. A chassidish shavort about that piece of Mishnah. The Rambam says this, for every single person there is a mitzvah that he can do with perfection. The best ever. One mitzvah. One out of 613. And it's our job, he says, the Rambam, I'm calling the Rambam now, it's our job to look for that mitzvah and find it. Now the Rambam doesn't mean don't do the other mitzvot. But the Rambam says, there's one mitzvah for every single person. If he does that mitzvah perfectly, he gets immediate entree into Gan Eden. Now to me, that's a Hasidish vote. Only a Hasidish Rebbe could say such a thing. So if anybody asks you, What's the Rambam's opinion about Hasidus? Tell him. The Rambam himself, he was a Hasidish Rebbe. And you prove it with this section of the Peyush HaMishnah. So what was Shlomo Kalbach's What was his mitzvah? The mitzvah that he did so well that he was courted entree into Gan Eden without a doubt. 
clearly that mitzvah is v'yahavta l'reacha kamocha. You should love your neighbor as you love yourself. <coughs> and you know very well that at the time of the Balshento, the Balshento said, we, we stopped thinking about that mitzvah. We've got to put it first on the list. And so the Baal Shem Tov said, when you get up in the morning, before you say anything else, more or less, say that pasuk v'ahavta l'reacha kamocha. And in some sidurim that follow the directives of the Baal Shem Tov, certainly in the Chabad sidurim, <coughs> the first thing on the first page, v'ahavta l'reacha kamocha. So Shlomo Kalbach, Shlomo Kabach was Mr. V'yahavta L'Reacha Kamocha. And yet, how do we try to emulate? I mean, what's our... Is it alcohol? Uh, it won't do much good. I mean, alcohol doesn't do much good either. It's just that it's more enjoyable. Excuse me. Okay. I'm almost ready to tell a story. I'm going to tell you a story about Vahafta Lorecha Kamocha. You know, I get a call. I, I, I remember it was between Yom Kippur and Sukkot some years ago. And I get a call from Nechama, Silver. You know Nechama? No? How can you not know Nechama? Nechama is the one in Modiyin who could work a computer. <laughs> so Nechama calls me up, and she says, look, I'm with Shlomo, <coughs> and we decided to come to visit you. I said, okay, where are you? She says, we're in Gula. Okay. We did a walk from Gula to your house. At that time, I lived in a place called Idri, which was in the black belt of Yerushalayim. You know, like everybody there dresses for the same suit from the same tailor. <coughs> so he's coming. I said, how long will it take you to get here? And she said, maybe 20 minutes. So, of course, four hours later, I get another telephone call. And somebody called me up a neighbor and said, look, there are a thousand people walking in the direction of our house. And they say they're coming to visit you. I said, I don't know anything about it. So I go outside and I see Shlomo, Nechama, and about a thousand other people. It was, what were those thousand people doing? You know, Shlomo is smiling. That cherubic smile, happy, you know, top of the world. The Chama, of course, looks worried because she doesn't know where she can get seats for all these people. And they're all coming with him because they figured he's going someplace. It must be a good place. <laughs> so he, he walks around. He walks around, all these people follow him, and I tried to explain to them that we didn't really have room for all of them in the house. And then we let them in little by little, so Shlomo comes in, and I said, Shlomo, what are you doing? How can you bring all these people? He looks at me with that smile, you know, 
You know, Shlomo's answer to the question was, what's the question? Now, of course it's all right. Didn't matter. So he comes in. And my son, I have one son, he was like a little kid. <coughs> I didn't remember the story, but I saw him on Friday. And he reminded me. So my son, I say to my son, look, he's a very important rabbi. We're going to go and ask him to give you a bracha. <coughs> so my son was very happy because he was into brachot and rabbis and all of that kind of stuff. So I go to Shlomo and I say, Shlomo's my son, smiles, light up, you know, eyes are twinkling. The child is captivated completely. I say, look, he wants you to give him a bracha. So I forgot what he said. But my son, who must have been six years old at the time, now has seven children. He remembered. And he said to me, Abba, you know what the bracha that he gave me was? He said, you should be zoche to love all of Am Yisrael. That was the bracha. Can you imagine that? Imagine a rabbi today giving a bracha like that. I can't. That was Shlomo. Shlomo understood <coughs> that Avat Yisrael was the essential mitzvah. And he did it better than anybody else. <coughs> Somebody asked me tonight, I'll tell you about the song. Shlomo's going to help me with the song. But before we get to the song, I want to tell you one more thing. Shlomo Kalbach had a hurdle to overcome. After all, he was educated in yeshiva. You know, yeshiva, I mean, he was a brilliant yeshiva student. An ilui. You know, he really, he was really good. Besides the fact, as you saw in the video, or maybe heard, that he could whistle, as they used to say in New York, whistle up a storm. He was a great whistler. And even in Lakewood, he was known for his whistling uh, abilities. But Shlomo was a yeshiva guy. I remember once uh, in my, my room in college, I went to yeshiva college, and I had, a, I had a dorm room on the seventh floor. And you know how Shlomo, how he did it? He had a concert. I remember it was a concert in the high school nearby, George Washington High School, packed Hundreds of people, you know, all city singing one song after the other. It was like the pre-Shlomo. I don't know if anybody here knows that there was such a thing. But there was a time <coughs> that Shlomo would sing. That's all he would do. Just sing song after song after song. And everybody was very happy and excited. And afterwards, afterwards, he had a post-concert concert. At this particular time, the post-concert concert was in my room, in my dormitory room in Yeshiva College. The dormitory room was the size of my kitchen today. <coughs> and into that room, maybe, they put 400 people. All of whom were dying to listen to Shlomo Kabach. But Shlomo realized that the language that you speak in Yeshiva is not the language with which he could communicate to all of Am Yisrael. 
so he in a manner, I think similar to Rav Nachman of Ratzlaff, developed this idea that you have to be able to communicate in order to give the Torah over. And that it doesn't make any sense to say things that the people you're speaking to don't understand. This was an Einfall, this was a tremendous understanding of Rav Nachman of Bratzlav, those of you who have the energy and the time, Mekuti Moran, part one, Yutet. <coughs> Torah 19. Rav Nachman understood that to bring Am Yisrael together with themselves and with the other people in the world, they would have to <coughs> they'd have to have a language which enabled communication to take place. For Shlomo Kalbach, that language was the Hasidic story. And he became a tremendous expert in Hasidut and Hasidim and the stories that they told. Believe me, he didn't learn any of that in Lakewood. And I remember once, some concert or other, he told a story about a Rebbe in such and such a place. And I thought that I was also kind of a little bit of an expert because I'd followed along, I knew the stories, I knew the Rebbe's, I knew the towns, I knew the cities. I said, Shlomo, there's no such city. And there's no such Rebbe. And Shlomo, he looked at me, smiled, his eyes twinkling, and he said to me, listen carefully, he said to me, you mean I made it up? I said, yeah, sounds to me like you made it up. And he looked, twinkled along, and he said, oh. And so I was a little annoyed. So I went home, and I did what they used to do in those days. I looked at a book. I don't know if any of you remember what a book is, but, you know, they're like the, the telephone book, but with bigger words. <coughs> I look at the book, there's the story. Exactly the way Shlomo told it. With exactly the Rebbe that he mentioned. Can you imagine? Can you imagine today somebody coming up to you and telling you that you said something wrong and you know he's wrong and you just smile at him and you hope that tomorrow will be a better day and you know that you're right that was Shlomo Shlomo discovered the language of storytelling and he understood <coughs> he understood that by telling stories you would get people's attention and they would learn from those stories. And that by singing songs together with special words, by the way, you know, Shlomo, the, one of the distinctive qualities of the Nagunim that Shlomo Kalbach sang was that you see, as my mother Zichonel would say, he understood the words. 
And when Shlomo says, Hazorim Bidima Berino, Hazorim Bidima Berino, you remember that? Hazorim Bidima Berino Yiksoru, that's what it says. <coughs> but he used to sing, Hazorim Bidima Berino. If you look in Chasidus, you'll understand that Dima has to come, the, the crying, the tears have to come with Rina in order there to be a harvest. I always liked that, that, that Shlomo really had a profound understanding of the words that he sang. Now, this language that uh, Shlomo developed, Shlomo Kalbach developed, the language of the stories, is not something that I want to compete with. But maybe I'll just end by telling you a story, or maybe two stories, maybe three. <laughs> I mean, stories are good. Anyway, somebody asked me tonight about something or other, so I'll tell you what happened. This week, or two weeks ago, my daughter shows up with a disc <coughs> that she got from Sholom Kinori. Now, Sholom Kinori is a name that you should all know. If you have children in religious schools in Yerushalayim about the age of 10, because he organizes all the choirs in these schools, Sholom Kinori. He gave my daughter a disc to give me as a present, which was the new, uh, uh, the new pressing of the first record of Shlomo Kava they put out. <coughs> the second one is called The Village Gate. First one, I forget what it's called. Does somebody know what it's called? Anyway, he gave me this, he gave me this disc. <coughs> now, Shalom Kinori's father, whose name was Kalman Kinori, who was Nifta Zichrona Kalman Kinori, was in New York in the early 60s. This is like a story, right? And he rented a room, he rented a room in 40 West 90th Street. I see this doesn't, nobody knows what that is. So I'll tell you, maybe somebody knows, 40 West 90th Street, was the Beit B'nai Akiva. The Beit B'nai Akiva. And I was at that time, <coughs> completely and, and totally enamored by B'nai Akiva ideology, which actually is what got me to Eretz Yisrael in the face of strong opposition from various uh, places. 40 West 90th Street, there was Kalman Kinori. And Kalman Kinori was studying sound engineering. <coughs> and his first client was Shlomo Kalbach. No one had ever heard of Shlomo Kalbach, which is how, how Kinori got the job. And he put out that first album in that building, in his room, where he had all his fancy tape recorders and, and things like that. So my first meeting with Shlomo Kavach, not knowing who he was, and what he was doing was listening to him singing and recording that album, which has now been reproduced by somebody or other, <coughs> uh, 
and is available. I'd like to make one other point about Shlomo Kalbach, which is also a story. Rabbi Kalbach Sr., Shlomo's father, had a shul that today is called the Kalbach Shul on West 79th Street. 70? Is that right? 79th Street? It's a nice little shul. Um, and I had a friend who was on sabbatical in Yerushalayim, and he, so he told me this story. He said that somehow he met Rabbi Kalbach, the elder, And he said, look, could you do me a favor? I would like to... He, he was a, a professor of business in some school in New York City, my friend. And Rabbi Kalbach met him, and they sat down together. Kalbach, the elder. They sat down together. <coughs> and he said, look, I want you to do me a favor. I know you know about business and this. I want to write a will. And I'd like to divide up my money amongst my children. You know that Shlomo had a twin brother, also a very nice person. I'd like to divide up the, the money. So my friend said to him, yeah, okay, but you, you don't really need me. You need a lawyer. He says, no, no, no. He says, I need you. I want you to be the responsible money, the responsible person for the money. I would like all the money that I give to my children to go through you. So he said to him, well, you don't even know me. Why, why do you want to do such a thing? He said to him, look, I have a son, Shlomo. Shlomo doesn't know anything about money. He gives it all away. Now I have to think that when the father tells this story to a stranger. It's got to be a, a, a true story. And you know, in my years in Eretz Yisrael, I never met a single person like that. I never met a person, you know, in the 60s. Uh, yes, I am that old. In the 60s, everybody in California would call up Slobo Kalbach Collect. You know what Collect is? And he would take the call. You could always call him. It didn't matter what it cost. Shlomo Kalbach, you know, all the Hasid, all the rabbis talk about divesting yourself of the gashmiyut that you are encumbered by. I never knew anybody else who was able to do that. So that Shlomo Kalbach had these, this tremendous ability to attract to communicate to find a way to talk to people who didn't know the language of Torah and that's a charge that he leaves us everybody is in you know Rav Zusha you know Rav Zusha Rav like to talk about Rav Zusha they say about Rav Zusha that he could never see anything bad in anybody else. And that was his Vahavta <coughs> The Badichava, they say, could see something bad. But he defended that Jew 
before heaven. Rav Zusha couldn't see the bad. The Badichava, he saw the bad, but he defended that Jew in heaven. The Baal Shem Tov, the Baal Shem Tov saw the bad, defended the Jew, and tried to fix him. And all of that is So that's your choice, my friends. Rabzusha, the Padichava, or the Baal Shem Tov. But it all comes back to So on this disc, <coughs> that Shalom Kinori gave me, one of the first songs that I learned from Shlomo Kalbach, the first songs he sang, and Shlomo is going to help me, I hope. We call Achayim. We call... I should start? I mean, I don't think I can sing. Oh, here he is. <laughs> Terrific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am